get on the Welcome to our brand new podcast, Podding Ain't Easy. And today we are going to be covering our favourite Star Wars movies and series in order of our worst to, to best. And joining me on this epic podcast is the D'Lo Brown to my godfather. <laughs> it's Scott McLeod, everybody. Oh, you're looking at the real deal now. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this podcast and, you know, our continuation of here at Rogue Pines of never stealing ideas from other people. Is, uh, we looked to do a list that Cody Rhodes did like a year or so ago, but do it properly. Because uh, he, because, yeah, damn right, we are going to include the Clone Wars movie, even though I don't think a lot of people would be annoyed if we didn't include it, but Cody didn't include it in his, and so we are going to do this list that, as we said last week, given some of the other stuff that's still to come out, Star Wars wise, in the next couple of years, we probably have to. We're probably going to have to redo this entire list in a couple of years. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll have the um, Obi Wan and Ahsoka and Bad Batch and, and all that to to fit in at at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bad Batch at the time we're recording this is still ongoing. I think they've just had the eleventh of sixteen episodes, so it's not complete yet. As much as I'm enjoying it, it wouldn't be fair to to rank it yet. No, no, not until it's all finished. Just mm-hmm. it might have a, a really great last episode that might push it up the list, or a really bad final episode that mm-hmm. uh, pushes it down the list. You just don't, you just don't always know these these things. Um, but yeah, I'm talking about Star Wars things. Scott, you've got some news on some uh, other up and coming Star Wars projects. Yeah, I do like to you know keep uh, look out for some of these uh, stories coming out as these other projects are going into development and everything. And uh, shortly after we recorded uh, the Mandalorian season two finale review with Sam, and we mentioned briefly Star Wars uh, Visions, uh, they released a trailer, well, sort of a trailer, sort of a behind the scenes thing for Star Wars Visions. You know, talking about how the different anime studios that they were going through and explaining more about. The different episodes and how every every episode is basically a a one off kind of story told and it's like anime style with different creators, different studios behind each one. And you had some of the creators themselves talking about like the, the stories and their inspiration behind the, some of the the ones that they were involved in. Like the, there's an episode called the Twins, which it was just kind of twins of the the dark side, I think they called them. And yeah, they did release a list of the uh, the episodes. 
Uh, actually, I've got 10 here on IMDb. The 10th one doesn't have a name here. I don't know if they've released the name of the 10th one, but so far, the other nine episodes are referred to as The Duel, uh, Loop and Oko, Tatooine Rhapsody, Twins, The Elder, The Village Pride, Kira, Kiri, T.O.B. 1, and The Ninth Jedi. And I believe this is set to come out later in 2021, uh, sometime maybe late summer, sometime in the fall. Uh, as we know, we've already got Book of Boba Fett to come in December. So, girl, I don't know about you, but you know what? My interest is definitely peaked, but I'm still uh, you know, holding out judgment till I get to see more footage of this because, again, like I know they're all standalone, so if you don't like one episode, it doesn't have to really affect your, your opinion of the whole series. But, you know, uh, I'm just I'm still very hesitant because, uh, you know, I don't really have any anticipation for this show because. I'm not really an anime follower, but you know, I like that they're doing a different take. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was um, necessarily an anime follower either. I've watched some anime, but it's not not really a huge fan of it. But it does look good. Episode names sound uh, intriguing, and it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of the um, Animatrix from uh, way back in the day, sort of standalone-ish episodes all sort of animated in different styles which looks like it could be quite cool mm-hmm. yeah uh sorry just double check on indb september 22nd uh is listed as the uk release date i uh, for these i'm assuming these are going to come out on a weekly basis potentially and as opposed to all in one because that seems to be the current way that disney plus is uh, is working with their original programming regard to Star Wars, Marvel, and all the other things. And so, you know, that, I think that's going to come out in uh, that period is going to be particularly interesting because I think we got a fuller trailer for Marvel's What If recently, which comes out in August. So, you know, we got What If followed by this, and then shortly after we'll have Boba Fett and everything. So, you know, as we go into the, or the end of the year, they're not slowing down with the amount of content Disney Plus is, you know, providing us. No, it's a it's a non-stop Star Wars machine, isn't it? And a Marvel a Marvel machine, to be fair, because um, One Division, um, Winter Soldier, and Falcon, and uh, Loki they they, mm-hmm. they came out within reasonably short order of each other, you know, compared to other standards. Normally, you know, you could be waiting a good six months for a. Another another pro you know another similar program to come out. This is really the same with Star Wars releasing things in relatively short order within each other, which which is good. It, you know, Disney are really um, promoting and putting some good content on Disney Plus. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like the Marvel shows like had a week's break or so between them. They kind of tide you over until the uh, give you that palate cleanser until the next one came out. Uh, and I heard from Elizabeth Olsen, she was in an interview, and she said that uh, she didn't get, like, get much of a break after she finished WandaVision because like, that same week she was on a plane to London to then film her part of uh, the new Doctor Strange movie. So, you know, Marvel's just a non-stop train. that's <laughs> rolling at the minute because I think Doctor Strange is one of the first films to come out from the MCU at the start of next year. Yeah, um, that looks like quite an interesting project. And apparently... Uh, Doctor Strange is meant to feature on the latest Spider-Man film, from what I've heard. I don't know how true that is. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. quite a quite a lot going on. 
Yeah, I think Spider-Man's may come out before Doctor Strange, but uh, you know, we were, we talked about uh, before that we're going to be covering Loki as well, and we're recording this before the Loki finale. I know there's a lot of rumours because of you know the, the main story of Loki being about different timelines and everything. If like the Loki finale, will that lead into Doctor Strange with the idea of timelines and the multiverse and everything? So there's all sorts of ways that could go, but the something we didn't really talk about when we talked about all the stars, so I think maybe it just passed us by because there wasn't as much info about it as some other ones. As a, we've got a series called The Acolyte that is in development. It doesn't really have Ooh, a... Is that about Bradshaw and Farouk? <laughs> I know you're hoping so, but sadly no, it doesn't. <laughs> if anyone out there wants to superimpose uh, or Photoshop the AP office with the door in the middle of like, the Moss Eisley cantina, <laughs> uh, please feel free to do so if you have the spare time and do tweet us uh, at rogue underscore opinion. But yeah, uh, the series is in development. It doesn't have a confirmed release date, but, but it does. The series showrunner Leslie Headland, who is more, most notably was the showrunner behind the, the Netflix show Russian Doll, uh, which is one of those you no know, infinite time loop kind of TV shows, which I've heard good things about, but I've never got around to to watching. Yeah, I, I watched that. It's a fun. It is a fun program, actually. Yeah, uh, it's set to begin production in February 2022. So either end of the year or sometime early 2023, we can probably see that coming out. But I read, essentially, it's the description we've gotten of it is it'll be set in the final days of the High Republic era, and it'll be set before the, before the prequels and uh, Leslie Headland has talked about using the Phantom Menace as a source of, of inspiration and she talked about how like she's actually she as a Star Wars fan likes the Phantom Menace more than some other people and she's always found it curious why why George Lucas chose to begin at that period you know we, we talk about and the, they talk about in the Phantom Menace about how the Sith have been gone for so long with everything and she was always interested in like why they never showed us what came before, like the era of the Jedi before the Sith returned and how everything was and the, the Sith quietly working away in the, the background. And uh, so it seems like this is kind of a Sith origin story that seems like this the story of you know, the Sith quietly building in the background and uh, for their return in the Phantom Menace while the Jedi remain complacent and everything and we get the some hints to the Republic we're gonna see in this and I've been watching some Star Wars related uh, shows, and you know they've been doing speculating on things that have potential of a young Palpatine, or some people speculated would this then lead to the live action potential debut of uh, Darth Plagueis? Yeah, that that would certainly be interesting. I read the I read the Darth Plagueis uh, novel. I don't know if you've ever had the, the chance to read that, and that sort of um, went on into expanding how. Um, he found uh, Palpatine and how they started plotting to uh, bring down the Jedi and whatnot. So that might mean that sort of that might not be canon anymore if if they go onto something like that in a live action program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting, especially given that uh, Plagueis has a very unique look aesthetically. I'm interested how they would do that. Would they do more of a mocap kind of CGI kind of thing like they did when Andy Serkis did? Supreme Leader Snoke in the uh, Star Wars sequel trilogy or something like that. I've read the first couple of chapters of Darth Plagueis. I've been meaning to get around to, to finishing it. But, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when you hear Headland 
talking about it in interviews and like giving details about the show. Like we don't really have any details about casting or anything. I think that's still a little bit away. But the way she talks about it, she's clearly a Star Wars fan, but she has a different perspective that she's wanting to take in a different look. So I think it's quite interesting how these different we've got these different creators on board Star Wars and to give their different interpretations of stories. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, interesting to see uh, their ideas come to life and in what sort of direction they want to take things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that kind of falls on with a thing with Patty Jenkins and when she talked about Rogue Squad, which is apparently being confirmed to ever be released in December 2023 because uh, Patty Jenkins is quite busy at the minute because uh, she's signed on to do a third Wonder Woman movie at some point and also she and Gal Gadot are working on a new like Cleopatra movie apparently which she's came in and basically said that uh, Star Wars and, and Lucasfilm have basically given her the freedom to tell the story that she wants to tell so also the people behind all these films and the uh, TV shows have been given all this freedom which which is good to see obviously yeah, hundred percent, and uh, I'm looking forward to all these projects uh, coming out because they all seem really intriguing and fun. And everything they've done so far, they've absolutely nailed it. To be fair, yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, it's gonna yeah, it sucks. Uh, we, the next Star Wars movie is gonna be not gonna be to 2023, but you know, well, we've got plenty of Star Wars related TV shows to uh, to tide us over. Uh, Speaking of Star Wars kind of TV shows, uh, the Emmys are coming around and Star Wars Clone Wars, the final season, has picked up three nominations in the daytime uh, Emmys. Two of them are kind of visual effect ones for animation, but one of them is for outstanding writing of a cartoon series or for outstanding writing for a show like for children. And that's, and that's third, uh, based on the last three episodes of that show, uh, I definitely think it's got it's in well with a shout of winning that award. But uh, Mandalorian has uh, scored 24 Emmy nominations, including Best Drama Series. Well deserved. I mean, 24, that's uh, that's a lot of nominations. But yeah, it's well deserved and it's got to win some of them, surely, because it's been uh, top TV. Yeah, I'm assuming you do think like some of these will be effects-based because uh, you'll have the CGI with the... Uh, mm. With uh, people like with the characters like uh, Grogu and things like that, some of the other nominations, some of the other awards also nominated for Carl Weathers and Timothy Oliphant are nominated for uh, guest actor in a drama series. Uh, John Carlo Esposito is nominated for best supporting actor in a drama series, and also it's nominated for outstanding sound editing. Uh, also, like some of the other shows that it's nominated alongside in the uh, best drama series include The Crown. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale, This Is Us, and The Boys. Yeah, Boys is excellent. So, quite a lot of them might win in some uh, Emmys out of that lot, to be fair. I mean, I've never watched The Crown, but, you know, that seems to be one of the shows that everybody tells you you should watch, but you say you'll watch, but you never do watch. Uh, so, I'm a feeling that, like, you know, it'll be like, oh, we, as, as a Star Wars fans, we'd like to see The Mandalorian win, but something boring like The Crown will win. I actually watched The Crown and um, I lost a little bit of interest halfway through the third series. Is it the third series or the fourth? But yeah, I, I think it's the fourth I started to lose interest in a bit. But yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it actually. And uh, it's quite interesting if you got any interest in the Royals, I suppose, like I have. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not against the world. I know I know a lot of people were intrigued when they revealed, I think, with the South Seas when they started talking, telling the story of, like, Charles and Diana and everybody, because everybody's got their theories about how Diana died and everything. So it was just like, wondering, like, how much are Netflix going to be allowed to get away with and not get sued for? Uh, you know, other than that, it's not really got me any more interested in potentially watching it. So, you know, but it's good to see that these shows are being... Like being able to be nominated, you know, because it's very rare that you see something superhero or Star Wars related getting these kind of awards. You know, I think the closest in recent times, like I think uh, the Oscars, the uh, bit into the Spider Verse was nominated for best animated film. Yeah, again, that's a that's another excellent uh, <laughs> film and animation. Uh, the Spider Man, I think they're working on a, a sequel as well for that, aren't they? Yeah, because I think they teased the introduction of the, uh, the Spider-Man 2099 version in the post-credit scene. Uh, and I remember Nathan and Jimmy, uh, we eventually get back to our series sort of tournaments to create the best comic movie of all time. The next bracket is maybe non-MCU Marvel films. I'm going to fight like hell to make sure one of the ones that, that qualifies in that bracket is going to be in the Spider-Verse, because how could it not? Well, I hope so, but, you know, Nathan and Jimmy have uh, <laughs> quite unique ideas at times of what they think <laughs> should be in and when. Oh, God, I, I nearly quit the podcast when they were when they were fighting for, for, for Aquaman the way they were until Jimmy finally stopped in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty sure it like, beats Shazam or something like that or something else that should have went through. I mean, it would have been an easier bracket if Jimmy had actually seen the first Wonder Woman. But because he hadn't seen it, we couldn't go through that because we couldn't go choose a movie that two of the three of us had seen. Yeah, he's too, he's too busy ramming his fridge full of bread to go and watch proper movies. That's his trouble. He's too busy DMing KJ asking if he could be on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that aside... Uh, no, I've clearly got some pent-up issues I've clearly not dealt with. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's all the stories I can really, I really have. Because uh, I, I do like to keep on top of the stuff that we're, we'd potentially be covering, you know, Marvel and Star Wars uh, related. But you know, I just thought it was interesting, you know, cause especially the accolade uh, one, because I think that's one I'm going to try and keep an eye on for now. Now that we've uh, we've heard from from uh, the showrunner about the inspiration of being the Phantom Menace, and now I'm. I'm holding out hope that it's not one of those like one-off like limited series because you know it's fairing with some of the shows because so far, unlike with the exception of Mando, some of the like Marvel ones have been like one-off limited series so far. But you know, other than Mando, none of the Disney Plus like Marvel Star Wars ones have been like across multiple series. And I'm hoping the Accolade is one of the ones that has multiple series because I'm holding out hope that if it's pre Phantom Menace, can we get to see a young Darth Maul? Yeah, that'd be that's going to be interesting. It, it depends how long they are and how many episodes they do. I mean, it's not a huge um, sort of time window, so they might not be able to do um, loads of series. But yeah, you might be able to squeeze two or three out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And a bit interesting how they, they do that, uh, and how much of it is focused on this. I think they're also going to focus on the dinner. We're going to see some younger versions of. Like characters we saw in the prequel trilogy, you never, you never know. But uh, that's all the news that I have uh, today. This episode, and that is the news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Insert 
dongle news theme here. <laughs> we'll, be back, we'll be back at 10 o'clock for the news where you are. <laughs> but when you do, we should have done a, and finally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now on to more important matters, Carl, we have the list. Yes, the list of destiny. Bum, bum, <laughs> bum. So who's, start, who's starting off? Well, I think we should explain how to the listeners how yeah. we're going to go through Good this, point. the order Good and point. everything. We have 15 uh, total TV shows and films uh, to go through. We're going to go from our lowest, the, the worst, which is number 15, to our most favourite, uh, number one, uh, going from 15 down to 11, 10 to 6, 5 to 2, and then also we're feeling our number one. But also, by the time we get to our number ones, you'll probably be able to work out what we've chosen by process of elimination. You're smart people. That's why you listen to us. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to go back and forth. Like, my, like, uh, girl, do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go first? And you reveal your five to eleven. Yeah, I certainly can. And straight in at number fifteen is Solo. Yes. Um, just, well I just done. thought, I just thought it was a pointless movie. To be honest, we, we didn't need to see. Well, you know. Han Solo's origins, and yeah, it's just crap, basically. Um, apologies, Mr. Cody Rhodes, but number 14, I've got The Last Jedi. Ooh. I know I know. Jimmy actually defends The Last Jedi, so I think you're more, it's more him you need to worry about. Cody doesn't have any time for us. Uh, what does a man who keeps his bread in a fridge know? But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just, I just, don't like it and it everything everything that jj abrams sort of set up you know in the first film um the force awakens he just sort of forgot did away with and went in a completely different direction and it just spoiled the whole trilogy for me mm. but then you know that's jj abrams fault for not sticking around to direct it <laughs> Uh, number 13 I've got the Clone Wars movie which is basically three or four episodes stuck together and it's very incoherent and uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense although I do like the the fact it introduces Ahsoka but it's uh, it's not great Um, number 12 I've got um, the Phantom Menace oh no, it's quite low down, but I get the only really enjoyable thing for me is the um, lightsaber battle at the end of the film. I mean, I did, I did tempt me to push it up higher, but I just like other other films better. And uh, eleven, this this might be contentious as well because some people might have it lower. But I've got the Rise of Skywalker at eleven because again, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess of a film with quite a lot of sort of plot holes and and stuff with bringing back Darth Sidious and and a lot of stuff. But I do believe that that would have been a better movie if the one in between had been a bit more coherent to the uh, <laughs> Force Awakens. But we'll never know. So Scott, how about yourself? What, what have you got in those positions? <laughs> See, I. Uh... I think when you when I go through my fifteen to eleven, you'll notice some similarities uh, in our bottom one. So I think uh, we're on the same length there. I think when we get further into the middle and close to our favourites, that's when we might start to differ a little bit. Yeah. 
definitely. Uh, so I was saving off like responding or that much, other than when I my reaction to you mentioned the Phantom Menace, because I was going to go a bit more detail and explain why I also have some of these films and the positions that I do. And number fifteen is Solo, because come on. I, d- I didn't ask for a Han Solo movie. I don't have the same connection, I don't think, to the Han Solo character that maybe some fans that grew up with the original trilogy do. He's not my least favourite character, but he's not somebody I always I've wondered, what was he doing before the original trilogy? Like, I was fine with the amount of Han Solo that I had. I don't know why he introduced another love interest when I know his story ends with him getting with Princess Leia, so why am I investing in his relationship with this woman? He brought back Darth Maul for reasons I don't know. I understand, but also it's too long. It's it's far far too long, and like I don't need to see how he just tell me that he won the Millennium Falcon from Lando and I cut and I gave us a back. Don't show me how it happened. Just tell me, I'll understand. <laughs> I actually toyed between fourteen and thirteen about the order I was putting them in before I eventually settled on this. Number fourteen is the Last Jedi. I like Ryan Johnson. He, uh, I like the Knives Out. If anyone hasn't seen that film, he wrote the Knives yeah, Out. Yeah, that's a great film. That's a great film. Yeah, it's basically Cluedo the movie. That's basically what it is. Mm. Uh, but it's really well done. Chris Evans is amazing in it. But he he shut the bed royally on this one because I I watched the uh, I watched a couple of these movies. I watched the Force Awakens. And the more I watched it, the more I enjoyed it. But also, the more I got frustrated with how little of this gets followed up on properly in Last Jedi. It really just me. Mm. It's just a prolonged like ship chase for some reason for most of it. Oh no! Yeah. And what's the point of introducing a, a character it's meant to be as badass and powerful as Snoke, and then just killing him off in the, you know, so quickly and sort of um, anticlimactically as well? You know, and the only thing that's going to potentially save that character is what if they ever fully revealed the plan that they're doing and and the Chloe thing that they've set up in Mandalorian. Mm. So you had that. You had Benicio del Toro's side plot, which ultimately was pointless. He killed off Captain Phasma, but then brought her back so then to kill her again and lies to Skywalker. Uh, like there was a, I remember there were all these rumors that they were going to do a turn, like a double turn, to use wrestling terminology of <laughs> Ray turn, turns evil, but then Kylo turns good. And honestly, when you actually watch the film back with that idea in mind, it feels like right, right up to when they go to the bit where Snoke gets killed, that that's what they're going for. And if they pulled the trigger and just did that, the felt the trilogy probably would have been better off. Because. Yeah, she should have. She should have just stuck Kyla running the sharpshooter and not <laughs> let go. And Poe Dameron's looking like he's got hard. That Kyle, he did not submit. <laughs> oh, Poe Dameron, he's good in Force Awakens. He's good in Rise of Skywalker. But for Last Jedi, basically, he's like you're. You're the next Han Solo, so act like Han Solo, and have characters openly acknowledge your similarities to Han Solo. Like, no, let him be his own thing. Ah, oh, so there you go. I'm sorry, Jimmy, but Last Jedi can get in the fucking bin. Uh, number thirteen is the one movie I have in my uh, one in my first five that you don't. Uh, my number thirteen is Attack of the Clones. Ah, right. Yeah. Uh, the best description I heard of why Attack of the Clones is the worst of the prequels is 
somebody asked, why do you think it's the worst of the Beagles uh, on a podcast? And they said, because it should have known better. Because like, you had three years to work out why people were acted the way they did to Phantom Menace and then work accordingly to try and get them back. But then went ahead with this. It's basically like, like I love the fight and Geonosis with all the Jedis and then the fight with Count Dooku and everything. But God, it's not worth uh, sitting through all the lack of chemistry and talking about how much you don't like sand. Uh, it's it's great chemistry. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I mean, also, I just went out. Uh, the way that they cut off Anakin's arm, by the way, I know it's maybe symmetry, like he got lost his arm and then Luke also loses him as in the original and Luke noticed that in Return of the Jedi, but but he gets like cut off and then just forced out of frame by Dooku so quickly. You don't even have to take a process the fact that, oh God, he's lost his arm, just like Luke would go on to do. Like they don't let, and like this is like the, the, the dialogue that Lucas writes is exposed more so in, the, in this film than in Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith. And how uh, characters don't show how they're feeling. They have to tell you everything that they be like, I, I cannot believe this thing is happening that I've just found out. Like, just show us his actions. Don't have to tell us everything so blandly. Oh, God. I um, just, just need to alter my list slightly. Move Attack of Clones from number one. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. It's, it's obviously not number one. It's number two, really. Yeah, I mean, Django's cool and everything, but like, hey, there's little other than that. It's not worth sitting through everything else that this film forces you to sit through in order to get to those things. Uh, number oh, number twelve I've gone to is the Clone Wars movie. Uh, I give you like a bunch of episodes put together. You know, it just seems like they wanted uh, some more Star Wars uh, and cinema, so they always put these episodes together. Let's have a theatrical version to lead into the TV show. The film was so bad, it, it, it took me years to actually get around to watching the TV show. Uh, I didn't realise that they were leading into a TV show, so when it ended the way it did, I thought, like, huh, it's sort of a flat ending. <laughs> and I was, and I watched it this time, I'm very disappointed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it went just to Soka, so yeah, it's got that significance, but Overall, it is one of the most forgettable films that they've ever made. Uh, and then number 11 is The Rise of Skywalker, because it's got a lot more going for it than I think some of the films I've already talked about. But it's basically, you know, it's fucking carrying the weight of the, the last film and trying to fix all the mistakes while being its own film. At the same time, it's just so busy uh, that, you know, I can't put it any higher. I mean, I, I liked it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I liked you know the moment at the end with Ray with the new yellow lightsaber and everything, and you know some of the scenes with Palpatine were really cool in that. But you know, I think yeah. it would have meant more if Last Jedi had been more had been a better movie. It would have meant more as a finale to this trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate rise of skywalker but i didn't love it either and they're just lucky that um emperor palpatine's actor in mcdermott is so good and he seems to really revel in the role and love hamming it up and he always seems to give a, a really watchable performance doesn't he but uh do you think he do you think he was like uh bringing back palpatine was a bit of a sort of knee-jerk reaction because because of snow getting killed off so frivolously 
maybe. I don't know. I mean, you notice Abrams uh, directed this one as well. So I was going to say, like, you, you mm. should just just let him direct all three. Like, just let him do it. Like, I know maybe last time you you had somebody directing the full trilogy was when Lucas did the prequels, and I know that didn't work out. But you know, Abrams is can be trusted. He showed that in Force mm. Awakens. At he, least he showed that. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say at least. Um... The prequel trilogy was coherent in its trudged and rubbishness. <laughs> it was bad, but it was bad in a consistent way. Yes, <laughs> consistently. But you know, I remember like I went to see this on Boxing Day 2019 and to see it, and then I went home and had a leftover turkey sandwich. So that was a hell of a day out for me. So you know, <laughs> I've got good memories attached to this this movie. But uh, I think there's no other way I talk with you, We need to talk about Ray in a way because she is, I think, especially as Last Jedi and Rise of go on, she is very overpowered in a way. And I know you want to push the new, like, character, a new Jedi, but I'm wondering if maybe when you were teasing that Finn was the, was going to be a Jedi and for the reasons, would you have been better going with him? Or maybe like keep her as a Jedi, but then do the double turn, have her turn evil, you know, and then Kylo revenge and uh, like try and redeem himself for everything he's done in this film. That would have been a hell of a story. And like my criticism isn't maybe what some sections of the internet may be, and that raise a woman and everything. Because like Star Wars can do strong female characters. They did it with Ahsoka. They did it with uh, Jen Erso and Rogue One. So it's nothing to do with her being a female. It's just the character herself is not well executed, I don't think. I mean, mm. Daisy Ridley does her, her best at times, but it's just that Ray is good, and everybody tells her that she's good, and then that she doesn't believe in herself. And that's three movies worth of, of a story, which is just stretched <laughs> out in a way. Yeah, gold bikini aside, Princess Leia's pretty, is a, is, mm-hmm. is a very strong female character as well, even in the first uh, trilogy. So, you know, the way she stands up to um, Grand Moff Tarkin and, and Vader, yeah. you know, when they're threatening to interrogate her and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've got fun memories of uh, Rise of Skywalker because I saw that on my uh, 40th birthday um, with, the, with my parents who were both Star Wars fans. And because mm-hmm. it was and because it was my uh, 40th birthday, I didn't even have to pay for my <laughs> ticket or any of my concessions. So uh, at least I didn't have to pay to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, Leia Le- Le- like is a good example as well because like the bill, much of the early part of uh, all of the the first movie is them all like trying to save her, and then when they get like cornered by stormtroopers, it's her that comes with the solution to get into the garbage chute, and she's basically saving them, and like mm-hmm. yeah, people can bring up the old Gobi Keely, but then it's when she gets like freed from her chains, she's the one that kills Java, and who's the villain for that first third of the film, so you know. She's she's proven to be capable of like taking care of herself. And speaking of Leia, we didn't even mention the weird Superman flying moment in the Last Jedi. Oh God, yeah, that's just not even go there. No, so I was going to make a reference before when you're talking about how overpowered um, uh, Ray is. She's she's like the um, she's like the super scener of Jedi's. <laughs> I, I know. I've only just picked up her lightsaber in in. Um, the Force Awakens and Kylo Ren has um, been training for years under Luke and now uh, Snoke, but I'll still beat his ass. I mean, 
they do try. I think I, for, I remember when Snoke says, and that remember that same scene, like it's time for Kylo to complete his training. Like I, I thought, like okay, that's a good kind of thing. Like so, he's not fully training. I mean, he beat Finn because Finn's got zero experience, but Ray somehow manages to beat him. But then, like afterwards, he still gets the better in these their fight scenes. Like afterwards, so like uh, just so like no, she just picked up the lightsaber and now she's hmm. easily like beating him as you said. Uh, Kylo Ren's basically the Nexus with some <laughs> slab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. Uh, he he, unfortunately, he 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 ferries at points very dangerous to being very similar to Anakin and the way that he basically acts and the way he's, his face always looks like he's got mm. resting pout face. This Adam Driver, unfortunately, uh, and I, I really, as I was saying, when they say complete train, I would have liked to see more scenes between Kylo and and Snoke, like of Kylo's kind of rigorous training that Kylo goes through to become a Sith. Because you don't really get to see how you see how the Jedi train. You never really see how the Sith are trained because mm. uh, you do have like Snoke berating him in the same way. One of the few things I do like is when like, they're talking. He's got a mask on, and Snoke goes, "Take off that ridiculous mask." Yeah, because he di- he ditches it in um, uh, the Last Jedi, but then in the Rise of Skywalker, he's you know he's stuck it all back together again. That must have taken some time and patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's our fifteen to eleven. Uh, I don't know if there's much else we can talk about. Do I go into your number ten through six? Yeah, I mean, we've been quite similar so far. Um, not too uh, far above yours. I have got Attack of the Clones. Um, for me, it's slightly better than the others. I do enjoy some of the um, the lightsaber duels. I love the fact we get to see Yoda uh, mm-hmm. pick up a lightsaber in that one as he um, helps in the battle against Count Doku. And they have some quite fun exchanges because he was uh, Count Doku's master. And um, we also find out that Count Doku was um, Queen John Gwynn's um, master, don't we? So there's some, there's some quite good stuff there. I quite like the, I know it, some people find it boring, but I, I quite like the fact the stuff, you know, how the clones came about and, and the mystery, the mystery of that. And um, but yeah, it does. But then again, it does suffer quite badly for some clunky dialogue and poor chemistry between um, Anakin and Padme, uh, which is a, which is a shame, really. And um, it's recently become a bit of a meme, hasn't it? That <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's not the best film by a long way but it but it has got it has got its moments now even though i was um putting it over before uh i have got but i'll explain as i go from the number nine uh is the force awakens now i do i do enjoy this film i i think it's definitely the best for me of um all the um of uh, all the uh, sequels and most of the um, prequels. Uh, I do quite enjoy it, but it is, it can be looked on as um, basically a a remake of A New Hope 
you know, there's very there are some sort of very similar aspects to it, like a big moon base with a planet destroying weapon that they they have to blow up, for instance, and um, sort of a character being killed off, and Solo uh, sort of reflecting um, Obi Wan getting killed. Uh, um, but it, but it is, but it's still a decent movie. It's only, it's only nine because there's others, uh, the others I I do prefer, and um, and again, what we talked about before with uh, with Ray being suddenly able to be a match for uh, Kylo Ren, who's been you know leading the First Order and been training for a you know a hell of a lot longer mm-hmm. um number uh, the eight i've got return of the jedi ah i, I do like this film uh he walks aside but you know i was younger <laughs> I, when it came out I was, I was young enough to to quite like the ewoks at first because uh you know i was like i was sort of the the target audience for them when it came out, uh, you know, it came out about eighty three when I was what wasn't even born. Uh, <laughs> when I was when I was three, I was probably about five or six when I actually got around to watching it, mind you. But that's still still young enough to he walks a, a cool until you get until you get older and and know better. But you know, it's. <laughs> Well, clearly I don't know better yet because I still love the Ewoks. <laughs> oh, Scott! But no, I don't hate them. But you know, I, I can see why people dislike them. They're not—they're not really my favourite thing. But they're certainly certainly better than Jar Jar Bloody Binks. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a classic. It's, it's a brilliant. It, it's a brilliant movie. I mean, now you know we're sort of in the the top ten. So all that are left in my in my book are are good movies and mm. programs. It's just for reasons I prefer I prefer others. Mm-hmm. So um so after Return of the Jedi I've got uh Star Wars Rebels. Uh that's your number seven? That's my number seven, yeah. I mean I was I was quite reluctant to watch that and uh, Clone Wars at first because the cartoons are aimed at kids. Uh, I heard the Clone Wars movie was pretty rubbish, so mm. I'd, I'd only really watched them very recently when uh, I uh, signed up to Disney Plus and was at a loose end with all the lockdown. So I thought, well, I might as well watch them because they, there's obviously things that tie into Mandalorian as well, especially with um, Ahsoka cropping mm-hmm. up and whatnot. So it, it definitely became worth my time. And there's some really good stuff in there, especially when in season two, when they bring in Darth Vader, who's voiced by James Earl Jones as well, which really adds some weight to the to the character in, in cartoon form and some brilliant stuff with Darth Maul in there. And you get to see Ahsoka and Darth Vader sort of meet each other and Ahsoka learn that Darth Vader is in fact her former master um, Anakin 
so it's um so really you know for a for a kids thing it, it's it's quite so some quite some weighty stuff in there really and it's really well done and then you got grand admiral Thrawn thrown in there who they decided it wasn't canon at one point but they wanted <laughs> a they wanted a a new villain for rebels with vader being written out um, of the series, and uh, they decided Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn was, was the right way to go. So he came back in and became canon again. And it, it's a very good, interesting character, some really good stuff. And Ian McDermott comes back into voice, um, Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious in it as well. So, yeah, I think it deserves its place up there. It's, um, it's a really good, um, it's a really good. Uh, program and also there's a character voiced by uh, former Doctor Who Tom Baker so when mm-hmm. he did a Doctor Who podcast for a little bit I had to had to <laughs> throw in that throw that in there and you know it's him straight if you you know if you know who Tom Baker is you know who it is straight away because his voice is so distinctive so yeah I, uh, to me he's always the narrator from Little Britain <laughs> <laughs> like uh the main reason I learned his name is Tom Baker is because there was a scene where a guy goes to a bookshop and goes, I wrote a book once. It was called Who on Earth is Tom Baker? <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry, I had to cut you off there. You're, you're number six. So. Uh, number six. Uh, I've got Clone Wars series. Uh, number Ooh. six. Again, uh, it, it, does have, it does have its problems where it, it does seem to be sort of in a bit of a muddled order you'll you'll watch an episode and um yeah 10 episodes later or even another series later that'd be an episode which you think well that surely that should have come before the episode i watched at such and such a time so don't so so there is it is a bit confusing but it is but it is very well done it you know it, it brought in a soaker who Really, sort of, you you can really see grow throughout the series because she starts at this annoying bit of a know it all type character, but you know, eventually she, you know, she learns with Anakin and Obi Wan, and um, she grows up and becomes quite a good character, especially the the story arc of her getting kicked out of the uh, the Jedi Order and. Um, and then been offered it back, but she turns her back on them because she felt they should have stood by her. And, um, yeah, there's some really good stuff. The voice acting's top-notch. There's some great episodes. Um, you learn a bit about General Grievous in there, a bit his sort of origins are sort of chalked out here and there as well in episodes. And I like, I like the character... Um, Oh, I've got a name now. Uh, Count Docu's apprentice in the Asage uh, Ventress. That's it, Ventress. I think she's got an interesting story arc as well, and she's a she's a f- cool, fun character. Darth, you know, they brought Darth Maul back in there, which mm. is a character everyone wanted to see come back, and they did that really well. Um, and I, I love the the. F- the last few episodes of the final series as well. I mean, that duel between Ahsoka and Darth Maul, where it shows you how far and powerful Ahsoka's become because she can hold her own against Darth Maul and actually best sim. Um, 
as well and captures him and um how you know how she escapes uh the order 66 as well so there's some really good stuff in there i think it's a really enjoyable program and i'm glad i decided to watch it i think i think that's the one i'm most surprised about the the blazing of the clone wars uh when i read minds in a second like i'll get a few more similarities but just different orders of way of positioning them so so far, I don't think we're that far away, except maybe on Clone Wars. But uh, also something I've seen that I didn't mention, I forgot to mention the news one because I don't think it was officially confirmed, but it was just a rumour that you mentioned uh, Ahsoka getting carried the, the Jedi Order. There's rumours of uh, Barris Offey, the other pad one that framed Ahsoka, being brought back in live action uh, for the Ahsoka TV show, which I think could be quite cool. Yeah, because she, she had... She, Quite an interesting arc as well, because she started off as quite a meek sort of mm-hmm. character who sort of did everything by the sort of everything by the book, quite like her master, where Ahsoka was a lot like Anakin and was a bit more free free spirited, and then yeah. she and then Barris sort of went the other way and sort of went completely evil and badass. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Maybe we'll see more of her and unveil more of her motivations as to why she did what she did and everything. So always, always the ones that are wound really tight that go off the rails. <laughs> is that you trying to warn us again, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> About Liam, yeah. <laughs> uh, now uh, on to my uh, ten thirty six number ten. Uh, I got the Phantom Menace because yeah, I know I, I, I acknowledge it's not the perfect like. I like the start of it, I like the end of it. I was going to watch it back for this, but I thought the middle portion, I could not bring myself. And I know it's not his fault, but Jake Lloyd as Anakin, some of his dialogue, I just still cringe just thinking about it. You know, it's not his finest performance. Obviously, his finest performance is when he plays uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's child in Jingle All the Way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, I I say that, but he's got one of my favourite scenes in that film when... uh, because I think the whole thing about Jingle the way is that it talks about how much uh, stuff, toys and that, especially Christmas, are marketed towards children who watch a lot of TV and the pressure to get to make your kids' Christmas, you know, perfect and everything. Uh, so Jake Lloyd says he's about the toy once and basically recap, repeats and acts the whole advert for the toy to back to him. At the end, he goes, accessory stuff, I've like Barry's not included. <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> that scene alone is better than anything he does in Phantom Menace. I mean, like, I like the pod racing subplot. It makes for a really good video game uh, on the N64. But uh, and, like, it makes sense, you know, the idea, like, oh, you know, we need the parts for this. And and that leads us to this guy that Qui-Gon thinks is the chosen one. He's like, okay, he wins the race. We can get his freedom and get on to take a computer mission. But then there's the added tension. Like, not only has Anakin never actually won a race, but he's never finished. But it just does go on a bit too long. And then the idea that, oh, yeah, uh, he didn't have a father, just his mother was just randomly pregnant one day. It's like, okay, so now you're trying to tell us that Anakin is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but like, I love Darth Maul. Like, I love so much. Like, that fight scene. Yeah, I, he's like, so cool. He's so cool, isn't he? I mean, I love the fight scene so much. So when I was younger, my brother, my cousin, and I, we had the lightsabers, like different color, like Qui Gon's, Obi Wan's, and, and Maul's. And so we'd act out the fight scene. Was like one time we do the whole fight scene, and once we we're done, we do it again, but just swap roles. <laughs> like one round, I'd be Darth Maul, but then I'd be Qui Gon and everything, and we'd do the whole thing. 
And Jewel of the and Jewel of the Fates is superb mm. as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, I was watching a thing behind the scenes uh, about the creation of Darth Maul, and I learned some stuff about uh, Darth Maul. And like, what I think it's quite sad that Ray Park has never actually got his like he's never actually got to do dialogue for Maul that's been released because obviously he does he comes back for like Solo and to the mocap and uh, and. Uh, Clone Wars, but both times it's Sam what we're doing the voice, and then Peter Serafinowicz is uh, doing the voice in Clone and uh, Phantom Menace because apparently George Lucas says, said that uh, yeah, Ray Park's voice was just too soft to convey this evil character. Uh, and apparently, Peter Serafinowicz basically said he had a horrible experience recording Maul's three lines of dialogue, saying because the only direction he got from Lucas was make him evil. <laughs> He has got a bit of a he has got a bit of a fetish with um, doing voiceovers and that because apparently he wanted someone else to voice C three PO and he went through quite a lot of um, different voice actors and stuff until one voice actor quite I forgot his name now very well you know quite a well respected one said I don't know why you're bothering for all this I mean I've listened to Anthony Davis and you've got the perfect voice for the character with him so Mm -hmm. I'd just leave it the same if I were you so I mean and Anthony Davis is perfect for the character so we just seem to have this weird fetish with having to voice voice over everyone yeah, I mean, I can. I don't know. I can see how he's coming from. I mean, I'm sure, like, if he got him a dialect coach or like, if he gave him time, mm. Ray Park could have done a voice for it. I mean, I get why you didn't do use David Prowse. Oh, I, I can, yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely understand that. I mean, I can't understand Darth why. Farmer, Darth, Darth Farmer. You can have Darth Farmer, could you? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the story goes that Dave Prowse wasn't told that his voice would be dubbed over. No, that is that is wrong and unfair. But if you have seen like um, what some of the, the sort of specials and the makings of, you can actually um, hear um, David Brower say the lines, and it's just it doesn't sound right at all, does it? Yeah. But before we move on, that is a cool thing I heard about the reason uh, Ray Park got the part was uh, they heard on his stunt coordinator. I can't remember his name to help come out with the more choreographed fight scenes. And so to demonstrate the style of fighting that we're going to be doing for the lightsaber, he filmed a demo with Ray Park, and Lucas liked how Park looked in the demo so much he just offered him the part of Maul. <laughs> That's really good. And, and another thing about that film and that fight scene, I'd, I'd never even conceived the idea of a double-edged lightsaber until you see <laughs> it in that film, and it was... Uh, and it was just a, as a nineteen-year-old, that was just the coolest thing ever, and it probably still is, to be honest. Yeah, I think that one of the issues we you talked about, I think before when we were in, on our last episode about like the actors in this film and in Clone Wars, like you have such a array of talent. Like yeah, yeah, if you tell somebody today that you're going to have a film starring Natalie Portman, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Samuel Jackson. And people like that, like Taron Stamp was in it as well. Like mm. people would be going mental, people would be excited. But yet, you said they've done great work outside, just never in Star Wars. And it is, it is quite interesting to be. It, it's not, it's not sort of brought to film in an interesting mm-hmm. way, but it is interesting to see how 
Palpatine, Darth Sidious sort of manipulates his way into power and into uh, Anakin's circle so we can manipulate him into sort of being his apprentice as well. It's not brought to film as good as it could have been, but it is interesting to see how he, how he got to be an emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number nine, uh, and it's lower down than I thought it would be, but I had to give it some thought. Number nine is Star Wars Rebels because, well, for one, when I look back at the first season and uh, then you see it once or twice to the second and third, it can be accused of being a bit more formulaic than the Clone Wars because, you know, they've got a similar thing. They've got to do, go on a run to get a simple run or do a job and then there's complications, then they find a way to work it out and it does get feel they're falling into that trap once or twice and it does at points especially in the first season, made the Empire look stupid that they can't outsmart a small group of rebels, which is probably why they felt the need to bring in Grand Admiral Thrawn, who proved to be more <laughs> competent than anybody that they had working there. Uh, but then also they bring him back of Maul, the Inquisitors. Like, I mean, they took the whole double of the lightsaber to a new level with the, with the Grand Inquisitors lightsaber that did the great rotations. Oh, yeah, that's cool that was, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, interesting thing, like I know, like it's happened in the special editions, but like George Lucas again is fitted for voiceover things because originally there's a scene in season two where when the first episode first went out, when uh, you get a transmission to Darth Vader from the Emperor, it's Sam Witwer voicing the Emperor because he does a very good impression of the Emperor and he voiced him in one of the Force Unleashed games. But then I think for a re-release for the DVD, they had Ian McDermott voice it, revoice the lines, which I'm like. Like you actually listen to, it, they don't sound like Sam Witwer's version doesn't sound too dissimilar. I know you like to get the original, but like, what what is your thing, George, with revoicing things? <laughs> obsessed. He's obsessed. He's obsessed. <laughs> He's fucking obsessed. Who he is? But I also something I haven't admitted yet on this show, and it probably is why it should be uh, lower down uh, than it is on my list more than yours. I haven't actually finished the final season. <laughs> Uh, that, there you go, you say. <laughs> I haven't it's all coming out. It's all coming out now. He's a, he's a, it's a charade. Scott <laughs> is a charlatan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I haven't. I know how it ends, but I haven't finished it. And so, <laughs> I, I don't think it would be fair. I, I, I've seen a lot of stuff with Thrawn and the Return to Mandalore and everything. And I think it's, it's a great quality for an animated series, like it's a sequel kind of almost to the to, to Clone Wars. But I think uh, it's not fair for me to put it this, mm. uh, higher up than it is if I haven't finished it. Especially, since we just, especially since we just explained that the Bad Batch isn't on here because the Bad Batch isn't yeah. finished yet. That's fair enough. I mean, it's quite brave as well because uh, it kills off one of the main characters in season three as well, doesn't it? Um, the. Um, oh, again, the name. I'm terrible at remembering names. Uh, the one, Freddie Prince Jr. Um, yeah, Kanan. Kanan. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, for a you know a kids thing. That's um, you know a big deal. It's up there with killing Optimus Prime at the start of the oh. Transformers movie. Oh God! I mean, yes, I watched it in the 2000s. And I found like him in the 80s, but still, that as somebody who'd only seen the live action one to see Optimus die. That fucking kills me. <laughs> uh, imagine watching it as a five-year-old. I was, tra- I wasn't like, traumatized. I was about ten when I watched oh, well, it. Still traumatized. Yeah. 
still, you're, <laughs> you're still in traumatized territory. And, and then a few years later, the next live action one, they kill him off again for half the film and then bring him back. But still, they killed him again. And I'm like, how many times can you kill Optimus Prime off? It's like a cat, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Uh, so yeah, Rebels number eight. Num- oh, it's my number nine. Number eight uh, is Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, see, so we're only like, a, yeah, that's my number eight. So we're, it's quite, it's it's amazing how similar we are, really. And so far, even ones we're not, it's only like two or three places different. Me and you, Carl, like two piece, two piece, right like that. Exactly. Uh, but like, it's weird that when, I, when you look back on it that this should be talked about more than it is because I think uh, it follows Empire, which is so beloved, but mm-hmm. it doesn't get enough credit on its own. Uh, and like, there's, I've seen some people say that they like that Return of Jedi is their favorite Star Wars film more so than Empire. And it's somehow seen as an unpopular opinion, and I don't think it should be. Maybe because the Ewoks are involved in it, and I just realized like we we've clearly done this list wrong. We've not even included the made for TV Ewoks movies or the Star Wars holiday special. We got to scrap this recording, do it all over again, do a new list. <laughs> there's actually in my day, there's actually an Ewoks an Ewoks cartoon, and there was a cartoon called droids as well which uh was about c3po and r2d2 that was probably in the mid to late 80s i should think but But they seem to be lost in the annals of time these days then you think about like yeah you see the emperor and empire but you get properly seen in this film and you know he is like a scene stealer in this entire film. You got Luke just slicing everybody down on, on Jada's ship, everything like that. You know, there's a lot about this film that people really sleep on, I think, and uh, it really deserves more praise than it does get. Uh, we also, this is the one I talked to you about, I think, before we recorded, where this is the only time where I wrote two, two films down in a particular place, went away, came back, and then swapped them around because. I thought no, I had to go put this one here. And when you hear what films they are, you're, you might realise why I did that. Number seven is The Force Awakens. Uh, because I remember the anticipation of going to see this. I had a part-time Christmas job at the time in Marks and Spencer's. And so I went to see it the day after it came out. And so every so often I'd hear somebody in the aisle saying to somebody, oh, did you go to see Star Wars the other night? And then I'd quickly go to a different aisle because <laughs> right after work I was going to go meet my brother and we were going to go to San and go see it so I'm all the anticipation for it and yeah I can see the similarities in, in A New Hope and everything else but like, and it's so, you know, J.J. Abrams did a really good job with this you know, the, I remember I seen it twice in cinemas and still had the same reaction both times seeing Han get killed off like even though the same time I knew it, it was coming like again my issue with Ray here is like not only is she good with the force, but then she's also shown to be very technically savvy and like working along with Han. Han offers her a job on the ship. Everything like you can be either good with the force or good technically. You can't have both character traits. Historically in Star Wars, what you have to be one or the other. <laughs> That's just greedy. Uh, also, Maz Kanata, by the way, we forgot to mention she's a minor character. I mean, she doesn't appear much in Last Jedi or Rice Scarf, but he's in this film. She is so crap. So, so crap. I'm glad someone said that. I, I don't even get what the point was. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o, who voices her, I already think is overrated. 
But then they then they put her. I mean, a big deal. She's in this film and she's playing this character Maskinetta, who does nothing other than that one interaction with Ray. And then like she directs like uh, Rose and Fenty uh, to a guy that can help them in Benicio del Toro and, and Last Jedi, who then proves to be not the person they're looking for. So she's <laughs> not reliable to do the basic thing that they ask her to do. Exactly. It's. Oh, but, but then you do get you do get James Bond as a stormtrooper though, so you know. Oh yeah, yeah, Daniel. And then I think is that the same one where Kyle does like where he tears up the control bar, and then you see the two stormtroopers walking by, and it's like, nope, and he turn the other way. <laughs> and, and you also notice some like it's weird. It's more there's more comedy in this film. I think maybe that's Disney's influence because the MCU films are quite hey, have a lot of comedy features in them because like. I never, I know there's like jokes occasionally in the original trilogy, but you never really noticed the comedy as much until you watch this film. Because, uh, like, especially the scene where Poe Darren's like coming face to face with Kylo, and it's just, like, so who talks first? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? Or, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. I enjoyed watching it back, and so also that's my number seven. I also was swapping it around originally to to now new to now a new hope as in number six. Because they're similar, but they're similar in a way. But nothing beats you can't beat the original. Like I remember watching this back in January this year because I was about to do a Star Wars quiz, and I was like, I remember watching it as a kid. I'm sure it'll be good, but not as good as some other films because you know nostalgia and all that. I watched it; it fucking holds up. It holds up way more than I ever thought I thought it would. And sorry, we gonna say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think that I might have something to do. I know uh, there's much to ride it, but I think that's something to do with some of like George Lucas's tweaks as well, because he's gone back and, you know, altered, you know, updated some of the special effects and stuff, as well as added bits in here and there. And I think that's, I think that's helped keep it up to date and helped it hold up a bit better than uh, other films of that era. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing when you watch about the two best people in it, the two best actors in it are Harrison Ford and uh, Alec Guinness, and yet they're the two who you find out later couldn't could give the less of a fuck about the film <laughs> or Star Wars at all. It's just it's amazing. Uh, and also, you've got also the introduction of you, you've got Peter Cushing uh, as Grand Moff Tarkin, and I remember there's a story going around that uh, they wanted Christopher Lee as Grand Moff Tarkin at one point. And uh, Lee is also good was good friends with Peter Cushing, and Lee told the story. Apparently, he said he phoned up Peter Cushing when he heard he was in SARS. He goes, "What the hell is a Grand Moff talking?" And he goes, "My <laughs> dear boy, I have absolutely no idea." <laughs> I can just imagine that conversation. And also, he didn't he didn't he didn't like uh, the shoes, so he he did a lot of his parts in slippers by all account. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and you know it's interesting. Like it's really like it's on it. It's one of the few. It's one of the films that most is as good on its own as, as well as part of a trilogy. Because you watch the ending, they could have not made any more Star Wars films, but they perfectly wrapped it all up in that one film with you know them getting the medals and everything at the end. But you know I had to give it credit. You know where it deserved. I know some people may not think like oh my God, may not like that it's six. It's still higher up and still the higher end of the the table. So, uh, the new hope is my number six. It does definitely hold up. But again, personal preference is what keeps it from going any higher. 
And that's fair enough. I think my five in, my five through two may surprise some people. Yeah, I'm wondering if mine might as well. But uh, it's back over to me now, isn't it, before I... Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, I, my number five um, I, fifth is Revenge of the Sith. For me, it's the best one out of all the... Um, the newer ones, the prequels and the, and the sequels. Um, yeah, there are parts that are a bit dodgy and rushed um, with um, the world's greatest actor, Aidan Christian, and the Darth Vader thing feeling a bit forced at times, which isn't helped by the fact that George Lucas changes his mind in post-production, how he wanted it to happen, so he quickly rushed um rushed in <laughs> some new scenes and that to, to take it the direction he wanted it to go um it's it is a shame that chronology made that the clone wars wasn't done before that mm. film because uh, it would have given you a lot more and then maybe they could have had even included ahsoka in that film if they'd have done it that way and it would have given you a little bit more insight to why um, Anakin was pushed further into uh, the dark side and joining up with Palpatine. But it's got some truly spectacular set pieces with uh, the lightsaber battles. Um, you got Anakin and Obi-Wan taking on um, Count Doku. You've got General Grievous uh, taking on Obi-Wan. You've got... Um, Mace Windu uh, fighting Sidious, the Sidious fighting um, Yoda. You got the climatic battle between Anakin and Obi Wan. You know, on the molten planet, it's it's just brilliant. And obviously, the final scenes where you get to see him as the Darth Vader, the nose aside. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but you know I still remember getting sort of you know shivers and goosebumps just in the cinema seeing you know Darth, you know, Darth Vader in full costume again you know stepping forward it was uh, brilliant and apparently they really did something uh, they, he weighted the costume or something to to really give a sense that you know, it was the first time he'd woken up in the suit and he was struggling to walk and mm-hmm. find his balance, which is uh, quite interesting. And, uh, yeah. you know... It's, it's, like, that's a very memorable film with that. And plus, you know, you McGregor's a, a loader. And I love the, you know, I love the end where, they, the, you know, they hand Luke over to... Um, the people who look after him is, you know, a sort of surrogate aunt and uncle, and the way it sort of, with the, you know, you see the, the, the two sons and that. And I, love, I love the way they do go back to that in the, in the films because it, it's it's such a melancholic and this sort of nostalgic sort of bit of scenery, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you get to see two twenty year olds twenty years later looking like they're in their seventies, uh, so. God, glad I didn't live on that planet. Christ, I'd be at death's door by now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, that's that's why it's there. It's just it's got some great set pieces. It 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 sort of completes the story as far as the prequels uh, 
are concerned. And um, I, I, I just love it, even if it's not everyone's cup of tea. Number four, not not much higher than uh, Scott. In all fairness, is a new hope. As you say, you, you can't you can't really beat the original. It, it, it is it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Some brilliant stuff there. The, in retrospect, and compared to the modern day, the, the lightsaber duel between uh, and David, it doesn't really hold up. It's it's basically two old men hitting a couple of sticks together. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're watching Chronicle, if you're watching the film back to back, if you watch that film right after you just watch Revenge of the Sith, when you see them going all over the place in the lava planet and everything. Well, I know, I know the excuse is they're older. I mean, everyone's probably it's in the sixties at that point, but Darth Vader is around my age by the time you get to. Um, a new hope. I'd, I'd say he's. A, uh, I've worked it out. He's in his. He'd be in his late thirties to early forties mm. at that point. And I know he's in a armored suit. But when you go back and you know comic book stories and then the cartoons, he he could wield it quite handily, and he's quite sprightly, even though he is in the suit. And uh, you know, I I can move better than that at 40 so age is no excuse look at Obi-Wan you think Jesus and Attack of the Clones Yoda was probably three times as old as Obi-Wan is there and he's flipping around like nobody's business exactly (laughs) (laughs) and um, yeah it's um, yeah it is it's it's such a great film but uh, you know it's it's only at number number four because of preference and three this is where things might get three i've got rogue one now a lot of people really Ooh. don't like rogue one and i, and I don't yeah. get and i don't get why i i love it i like the fact it doesn't really have a proper happy ending because the two heroes get obliterated when they uh sort of shoot the planet with the with the death star um I, you know, I love the I love the characters. The the acting's great. Um, Mads Mikkelsen's always brilliant. Um, I like uh, I like the droid voiced by Alan Tudyk. The droids, the oh, droids are hilar- hilarious at times. And the visuals are great. I love the I love that bit near the end when the the sort of death you know the death stars circle circles round to cut everyone off and the fact and Darth Vader going absolutely badass at the end. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was a late addition into the film as well. Uh, test screenings people said they wanted to see a bit more Darth Vader so uh they, they they added that in and it just shows you how badass he could be just mm-hmm. you know just using the force, taking all these people apart of his lightsaber without breaking the sweat. And then you know, a couple of days in, in sort of Star Wars universe. A couple of days later, he can barely move when he's trying to fight Obi Wan Kenobi. But yeah, you know. <laughs> he got he got winded somewhere. He's like, ah, oh, Obi Wan, can we do this fight another day? I'm fucking like, I just wait. I don't know how many people on that ship. Can I get the bloody Death Star plan? <laughs> yeah, for for myself out with that lad. <laughs> oh, so I sit down, have a cup of tea. <laughs> But um oh what's his name? Um the Australian actor who plays um Oh uh, 
Ben Mendelssohn. Ben Mendelssohn, he's brilliant in it. Uh, he's always, he's, I mean, he's always good to be fair, but he's brilliant in it. Uh, I, I quite like the, the way they um, digitally did um, Grand Moff Tarkin as well. That, that didn't look too bad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I like the way, you know, I like the way it shows you why the Death Star was blowing up so easily it's, it's a nice way of explaining it that this guy was forced you know forced forced to design and help construct this super weapon so he intentionally put in a flaw so hopefully um they could find it and exploit it and you know the the mission and you see a new hope they said a lot of people die to bring us this information when they have to start plans and and you see you see why you see how desperate you know how desperate it is to complete this mission and how they only they only do it by the absolute skin of their teeth and a lot of people whine about how that little sort of hammerhead spaceship could maneuver um a huge star destroyer in space but it's space there's no gravity so nothing weighs anything so if its engines aren't working it's not going to weigh anything in space is it so of course it can move it think damn it (laughs) but yeah great movie and uh, number two uh, I've got the Mandalorian because it's just been excellent it's Mm -hmm. so well done it's just one of my favorite programs ever to be honest it's it you know we've we've done a whole podcast on it so if you want to hear why it's so good um plugging away you go back and <laughs> listen to our mandalorian podcasts i know like it's, it's that almost to a point where like when we mentioned both mentioned mandalorian on our list it's like oh we spent weeks just then explaining and and like very degrees of detail why <laughs> the show is so good what else do we have to say <laughs> exactly so scott back over to you okay so i'll say i'll read my five five through two and then me and carl will reveal our number ones so I'll have a bit more back and forth and a bit more details to why our number ones are the way they are yeah it was uh, i thought you'd be a bit more short than where my placement of a new hope is but i'll say yours was only a couple ahead of me this one even though I, I deserves to be at least in the top five, otherwise, are you a true Star Wars fan? But I still think there's going to be a lot of Star Wars fans who still think I have this too low. Number five for me is Empire Strikes Back. So, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is no longer happening, and me and Scott are not friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, of course, of the original trilogy is is the best. I agree. And also, no, look, I am your father. It's not, look, I am your father. It's, no, look, I am your father. You know, people get that wrong all the time. But uh, I just thought we should educate people. But for me, again, uh, I just think it comes down to preference. I like it, again, it's best of the original trilogy. But these ones, I think I have more emotional attachment to the four that that, that I have that are going to come, still to come. So I think that's why I put a Empire anywhere it is, but I knew I couldn't put it any lower than the top five. And like, I don't think I, I can say much more about this. You know, it's got one of the biggest cinematic twists in you know cinema history. You know, even people who don't like Star Wars know about that scene, the fight between Luke and 
and Darth Vader is significantly better. He can move a lot more than he can. He's fight with Obi Wan all of a sudden. He's had significant time to rest as Darth Vader in that time. You have Han Solo uh, getting frozen carbonate, and you know, the relationship between him and Leia. You have the introduction of Boba Fett and everything. So there's a lot of significance in just that film. You got Lando, who uh, I again haven't don't see as a big a deal as a character as some other people. Like again, like I said, like I don't need to like see how Han won the ship from him, but you know, Billy D. Williams, you know, you can't deny the man's charismatic as anything. Mm. I think part of the big deal was back then, you know, he was a black actor and put in a, a lead role. Uh, mm-hmm. especially especially in the sequel as well. So I yeah, yeah, I think that was quite a, I think that was quite a big deal back back then. Yeah, definitely. Uh are you still there, Scott? I've lost, I've lost sound. Uh, oops, sorry. You hear me? I can now. Yeah, you. Uh, I couldn't hear you for a good thirty seconds just then. For some reason, it came up no air connection, and then it came back on again. I don't know what happened. Maybe somebody in the next room knocked something funny, and then had to plug it back in. But yeah, it was a it was a force cutting you off for putting the, the Empire Strikes back in the wrong place. That's <laughs> what it was, Scott. <laughs> I think I know where you've placed it, but I'll uh, I'll save more of my uh, what I like about the film until we get there. Uh, but yeah, there's that. I get I get what you're saying about Lando. Number four, this is the way. It's it's the Mandalorian because you gotta think. I know we said we can't put the bad action for the same reason, but like we know Mandalorian isn't over yet. But the two seasons we have got just on their own are because like that ending uh, that we talked about uh, the other week is just the like it could probably just end the whole series just there on that slow emotional moment. I mean, Kyo and Spookable of it is its own, like the sequel to the Mandalorian series. Uh, it's just so well done. You know, John Favreau and all the other people they got and have such a clear love for Star Wars, the connections and the setup for the other series, the, the tie ins with all the characters from Clone Wars and Rebels and all the other characters. And like it was just a new way of telling a Star Wars story, I think, that worked so well. I remember there's been talk about, for, for a few years, about a Star Wars TV show, which I was always sceptical about, but then this came out, put all those to, fears to bed, and now we've got this whole universe of Star Wars shows to come out thanks to the success of Mandalorian. You know, this is done for, you know, that Star Wars shows, what Bloody Arrow did for DC TV shows back in 2012. Now they've got a bunch of them. Uh, and like again, like you want to know my full more of my thoughts about Mandalorian. Go back all the other reviews we've done because I think I'm tapped out of praise for this show, and I didn't think that was possible because it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. rooting for them at the Emmys. <laughs> and we can, we, well, I mean, we can always revisit it and reevaluate it if they balls it up with season three. But oh, I'm quite confident. I'm quite, com- I'm quite confident they won't. I mean, John Favreau is is god basically at this point. Yeah, he, and he can do Starbucks. no wrong. He, he's a big fan of us, and he wouldn't do that to us. You know, we're pals, John. Come on, come on, don't fuck it up. Yeah, we know you're an avid listener. Uh, well, I'll get on the phone to Big Dave Filonio. Dave, sort him out. Make sure to keep an eye on John. Make sure he doesn't fuck <laughs> it up. <laughs> now, and I know there'll be a section of the Star Wars fans you mean they might hate me for this, for putting this over Empire. But again. It's, it's, for me personally, my personal attachment to it. Number three is Revenge of the Sith. And, like, like you said, you've got the fights between 
Obi-Wan and Anakin, the emotion there, the Obi-Wan yell, you're the chosen one. Uh, you've got uh, you know, Sidious versus Yoda. I know there's a section of fans who said they, they said, oh, I never want to see Yoda fight with Yoda. Like, but you had to think, this is a prequel, this is when Yoda was a, more involved in the Jedi Order. Like, of course, Yoda had to, at some point, I did have fought with a lightsaber. What are you talking about? Yeah, it was only in his 800s back then. And I mean... He's a young whippersnapper. Yeah! <laughs> I know. Uh, that cane was just for show. Don't let him fool you. Uh, <laughs> you have, like, the... Like, the Count Dooku going from cocky villain to suddenly realising, like, he was about to die and everything. And I found out there was meant to be a scene shortly before he died where... Uh, Dooku would reveal uh, to Anakin that he, under the orders of Sidious, he is the one who paid Duskin Raiders to kill Anakin's mother, and basically that was to like take advantage of Anakin's anger to bring him further to the dark side. But they apparently cut that out. Oh, I thought it would have been worth keeping in. I think to be honest, that would that would help bridge a few gaps. To be honest, mm-hmm. I think so. I think so too. Because that would have brought up uh, Christopher Lee's full line count in uh, in episode three to a total of five lines instead of four. <laughs> and you also have um, power unlimited oh. power. Like I know, like the fact that lightning going in his face is what is what made Talton look the way he does, and not just the fact he is an old man, an evil old man. But, uh, yeah, I mean. I, I'm glad, you know, I'm 41. I'm panicking about looking like that through age, but no, it, it's it's from Force Lightning, so I can <laughs> relax. Where are the two main parts of lightning? Force Lightning and Grease Lightning. Here's a, uh, question, here's a question for you. Do you think Mace, because well, Palpatine's supposed to be so powerful and he's even holds his own against um, Yoda, was Mace Windu really getting in the better of him in that fight, or was he purposely throwing it, knowing that Anakin would uh, save him and complete his move to the dark side? No, he had to have known Anakin was coming. It's like, you know, like, he when Anakin like sitting in the Jedi like cham- Council chamber and he like, can hear Palpatine's voice and he said, Palpatine knew Anakin would come. So you got to think, like, the way he's, like, begging off, like, no, no, and then just to turn mm. his face away before he does the power line, as cheesy as it is, like, Star Wars inherently is cheesy in a way. So come on. And then, you know, he does that, and, you know, there's still the hope, you know, we didn't see a body after after <laughs> window went blind. <laughs> I mean, fucking Darth Maul got cut in half, and he survived. That's so, true. Know, we'll come back from worse. I mean, he's... he's um virtually immortal if he survived that but yeah you never know and again like personal like my personal connection to it i remember like i probably like my how i felt going to the cinema to see episode three as a young child uh to see the film and not knowing if it was gonna be any more star wars after this and now there's far too much of it nowadays when you when you think about what's to come so, you know, that's just my attachment, wanting to see the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin that was building. I actually think about it, the scene between Anakin and Palpatine when he kills him, when he kills, like, Dooku. It is good that he, Anakin is hesitant at the start of the film, that he's not very early on in the video. Like, well, it's the final film in the trilogy. Anakin's evil now, right at the start. He's still a bit of hesitation in him. And you got, basically, Palpatine, the devil, and he's just going, do it. And like, mm. he doesn't want to do it, but then he thinks that he does do it. And also you've got Grievous Grievous as a really cool character 
everything. And as soon as Anakin turns to the dark side, you know, just Ian Christensen, the scenes where he doesn't speak and you just look at his face and the yellow eyes, instantly you get more out of that than any time Ian Christensen, Christensen speaks in the film. I, I am looking forward to seeing him in the new Obi-Wan and how and how he's used in that, being he's already Darth Vader at that point. Is he going to be just in a costume? Is it going to be flashbacks? Or <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what they do there. But you also have another child actor who's absolutely terrible in that bit where he confronts um, Anakin oh, when he goes back to the tub. Anakin, what should we do? Can you not find child actors like that, George? Come on! Anakin wasn't even going there to kill him, but as soon as he heard the boy speak about it, fuck, I'm telling all of these. <laughs> I'm doing this for your own God. <laughs> I mean, again, Ewan McGregor, I think, is just the heart of the entire prequel trilogy. I think he consistently is the best, gives the best performance, and it's not really, I, I know you can say it's not saying much, <laughs> but it's a testament to Ewan McGregor, even stifling the laughter when he's trying to get a line out of the younglings. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, again, for personal reasons, Revenge of the Sith is my my number three. Uh, I don't know. I, well, I was gonna say about Anakin. Maybe like there'll be scenes where you see him without the helmet if he's still again like, used to the suit. Because I remember I've heard from some people that at the time, like now, there's a scene in Episode Five where you can see the helmet kind of going back onto mm. Vader. You can see that kid. I've heard from some people that when they saw the first film, they were convinced that Vader was some sort of robot. And so that was maybe a shocking moment when you saw there's actually a human under there, which I was surprised about, like, as a fan who watched it much later. Yeah, yeah, I, I must admit, it was um, quite surprising. And especially when you're young and see it, because it, his head's quite deformed and everything. It's quite quite a squeamish scene as well when you see <laughs> it young as well. So, uh, yeah, they, I, I totally agree with you there. I think you see him in some sort of tank. Uh, when he when he before mm. when Krennic arrives to see him uh, in Rogue One, so maybe they has to go back in the suit. So maybe it's treating the wound still from Mustafar, and maybe that's when you'll see when he's out of the suit. That's when you'll see Hayden Christensen and uh, and Obi Wan. But my number two, it might be like a, before before you go. It might be like yeah. a Bane thing. He might be in constant pain, and yeah. you know the suit sort of soothes it. But yeah, he has to be. I know him in water or something to help out as well so yeah it could be some quite interesting interesting things could be revealed in in, in that series yeah because like it's it's all it, when he dies and when he dies in episode uh, six where after like the lightning went right through his, his whole body and the suit he's clearly been damaged to the suit so if the suit's keeping him alive and then that gets damaged that explains why he dies so shortly after because you know Luke didn't cuts off his already robotic hand so Luke obviously didn't kill him, but fighting with the Emperor is what kills him. Uh, so yeah, I definitely agree that's probably a main thing. But number two for me is the Clone Wars TV show. I fell in love with the show as I was binge-watching it uh, on Disney+. Plus. I couldn't get enough of it, especially going through season two onward when they started doing more multi-episode plots for the show. Uh, the plots with getting to see Darth Maul come back is one of my favourite Star Wars characters. It was great to see. I even put this in here, even though season six was quite crap, even the first few episodes of season six helped save it because you get the plot about the inhibitor chips, which we're seeing carry over. Yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a vital detail 
that was left out of prequels about how they were able to get out of the clones to turn because also that's the shocking scene when, when I went to see it, you know, the execute order 66 scene with mm. all the, the clones turning out their backs on the Jedi and everything. It's kind of sad, like Plo Koon is a really one of my favorite side characters when he appears in the early seasons of uh, Clone Wars. I think, oh, you die quite in a shit way when your shit just gets guns down by by clones and order. Yeah, six, bless so. him. But I feel even sadder for you knowing that. <laughs> but, so like that plotline helps save season six in a way. But then obviously they come back with season seven. It's just the bad batch. You got the side story with uh, Ahsoka. The final few episodes with fighting with Maul. The when they when they use the dialogue from episode three that Ahsoka can sense it. Everything, the emotional climax of everything. I just, I, I love this show. I think I, I don't think I've fallen in love with an animated show as much as I, I have this in a long, long time. Not since I was very young that I've fallen in love with this show. As we joked about, it's meant to be for kids and everything. But so, everyone like, you know, like you see, oh, this is maybe a kids show. It's got one of the most shocking deaths I've ever seen in a TV show when the way Maul kills Duchess Satine. In front no, of I know, yeah. But like, yeah, he holds her up and just cuts her down. He's like, they were like, we're holding her up with the force. It's like, geez, and they don't cut away from it. They show you. They show I mean, you. I cried for a week when I saw that, and, and I was 40. <laughs> I didn't even like Duchess Satine really that much as a character. <laughs> even then, I was like, I'd judge up. I'd be like, wait, what? I thought, surely there's going to be a way Obi Wan saves her, and the end, like, oh, nope. Oh. Uh, so you got that, you got introductions to characters like Bo-Katan uh, and everything, Ahsoka's journey across the whole series, the, the, the episodes where she's trying to prove her innocence I thought were so good and everything and I was totally on her side and like, and then also the shock of, of Offy, uh, Barris Offy being the one behind it and everything and hopefully we get continuation of that in Ahsoka but uh, I think the final episodes are what I'm always going to remember from that show because. So good, aren't they? Those final mm-hmm. episodes. I also love the episode where um, Sidious confronts Maul as well. Uh-huh. Um, Maul says, oh, I've done all this to get back in your good books. He's like, no, it's not. you've become a rival. And he kicks <laughs> both his and uh, Savage's asses, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, like, like he always he always showed that idea, like, oh, the whole, we need to keep to the rule of two and everything, because he's trying, Maul's trying to train his brothers and apprentice, and then when Dooku's got a uh, Asajj Ventress, then uh, you have uh, Sidious getting suspicious and basically orders him killer. And then you got uh, Asajj Ventress goes on this whole revenge story with the Night Sisters and the introducing Savage as a spy pretending to want to be Dooku's apprentice, uh, all like a part of this plan. So you know when they start getting into those side plots, they're also Savage oppressed, voiced by uh, Clancy Brown, mm. who's perfect for that kind of character. Uh, there's really got a strong voice cast. You know, Seth Green voices the wee robot that goes along with Cad Bane as well, which I think is funny. Uh, yeah, also got like Obi-Wan storyline in season four or five where he fakes his own death but doesn't tell Anakin or Ahsoka what he's doing in order to infiltrate a plot to attack Palpatine. I thought it was a really good story, a different way, again, telling a Star Wars story. Uh so, you know, like, very creative, like Dave Filoni, the way he told different stories and helped fill in the gaps and helped made you care about characters you didn't care about in the prequels. And he invested in the clones, even though they all looked very similar and were voiced by the same person. He, they all got their own personalities uh, throughout the show, especially like like guys like Rex and everything, guys like that. 
Although I didn't, I was still angry every time Cody showed up like, you, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Never forgiven you. <laughs> <laughs> Rex is a good guy. He didn't turn on a soldier. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes us both to our number ones. I think through possibilities, you can guess who both, both our number ones are. Uh, but Carl, you want to go first with your number one? Yeah, for me, number one is The Empire Strikes Back. It's just... For me, the perfect movie is one of the it's one of the greatest sequels of all time, if not the greatest sequel of all time. And it's just got it's just got everything. It's got the it's got that massive um, superstar destroyer or command ship, which is like ten more than ten times bigger than the other star destroyers, which are big enough themselves. It, you know, to see, you know, the first time you see that, it's just awe-inspiring. It's, um, yeah, you've got one of the best, greatest twists of all time. You've got a much better, like, Sabre Jewel, that Scott already touched upon. Um, yeah, and, and so they get frozen in carbonite and the old, I love you, I know, which... Uh, was ad-libbed because the scene just wasn't working apparently. So the director said, just, um, Harrison Ford, just say what you think um, Han Solo would say. And he did. And that's the, that's the take they kept. Uh, it's just brilliant. Uh, just brilliant stuff. You got um, Luke losing his arm, his, uh, meeting Yoda and, and, and training with, Yoda, which was some cool stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's just a really cool movie. It's it's a lot. It's it's well, it's a lot better acted than uh, mm-hmm. A New Hope. The script's a lot tighter as well. Um, it, it really shows us, you know, it was a different director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, George, but uh, just let Lawrence. <laughs> Uh, Lawrence Kasdan uh, uh, was the director and everything, and pretty sure like did he not uh, like work? George worked under him before, so I think he like that's why he trusted him. He's one of the few people that George trusted like before obviously the selling of uh, Star Wars to Disney uh, to, to like, take control because that's the big issue with the prequels is that George was seemingly couldn't let go of control. Yeah, I think it was like George's mentor, wasn't he? And uh... Did, sort of, did a lot of teaching, I think, as like his teacher at um, you know college when he was doing media studies and stuff. So yeah, uh, but there's yeah, there's just some terrific stuff here. As you say, the the uh, the Sky City, which looks even better um, in the modern ones because they gave them windows and a bit more of a, a, a you know a landscape to look at which is awesome the introduction of Boba Fett which has become such an important character through the years it's yeah it's just it's just brilliant and also that's the film that introduced uh, one of the most recognisable and perhaps greatest themes of all time the Imperial March the bomb 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 the bit where he sort of just so casually kills his uh, admiral for 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 two fuck ups in the <laughs> in the film as well. You failed me for the last time, and he force chokes him from another bloody room for Christ's sake. 
The fact that he then immediately says to the guy who's left standing, like, you've got his job now, don't fuck it up. Because you've just seen what will happen. <laughs> yeah, he sort of thanks Lord Vader in a sort of, I'm not, do I really want to thank you kind of, kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I feel like, like I forgot me to mention Yoda, like his introduction and everything, mm. uh, and his role, like in the whole scene on Dagobah, the, the trains, he was being him. And like, I agree, yeah, Mark Cavill, especially, I think he was still very inexperienced as an actor when uh, The New Hope came out, and it, and it shows at, at times. Mm. I mean, he, he's a lot better as the, the trilogy goes on. Uh, I may say, like, there's all these stories about her, about how. Uh, he was such a fan of Alec Guinness that he had bugged him so much on uh, on the set of A New Hope that apparently, according to Carrie Fisher, at one point he gave Mark Hamill $20 and told him, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd also love like, Mark Hamill telling stories about being told to keep a secret, like keep it a secret, like, the whole reveal, like so much so that the film, they actually filmed him uh, being told differently that Obi-Wan killed his father, but beforehand like you were told like, no, this is why I saw the line's going to be, and we're going to add it in post when James records his line. And so, say he was meant to react like he was being told, uh, like, I am your father, even though when they filmed it, that's not what David Proust was saying at the time. And, like, I also, he he describes that he's basically told, like, like basically, I, George knows, uh, Lawrence knows, and now you'll know. So, if this leaks, we'll know it was you, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, basically, only the, only three people knew, I think, at one time, didn't they? As you say, Mark Hamill, George Lucas, and uh, James Earl Jones. But it's just, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this film. It's just brilliant. And I've got such, you know, it's the, fir- it, it's the first one I saw as well, because mm-hmm. I was, New uh, Hope came out even before I was born, Scott, believe, believe it <laughs> or not. And um Empire Strikes Back was 1980, the year I was born. I didn't I didn't see it until um I was probably about five, six or seven, somewhere in that bracket. Because it used to be on ITV quite a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a, you know, I've got quite a big connection to it because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh and so like, I, I did have an appreciation for the sequels even for me, only because I mentioned before I had that box that VHS box set of all the three originals in the house and so while I didn't go see episode one in cinemas I saw two and three in cinemas so when about the time those were happening before I went to see episode three I'd seen the original and so I had an appreciation almost for how these flow into each other and how like I was the three like oh that's saying of that thing and then that because uh, like in episode three when uh, they mentioned Catherine Tilly's and like uh, uh, having his main weight that then takes into the original trilogy where he's like, I hate flying. I don't know who Obi Wan is. <laughs> I mean, that's how you that's that's how you do a sequel. Imagine if it had just, I uh, will just we'll just kill off Darth Vader halfway through the film and then bring it a bring it a new villain. A, who cares? <laughs> I mean, do you think of it? I mean, Emperor the Emperor is more of a villain in episode, in episode six than Vader is anyway. Mm. But also, that is your like, and I have a feeling it would be close to number one, if not number one. And you said it's not; it's number one for a lot of Star Wars fans, and I don't uh, deny them that. But also, it was a little bit lower down on my list. My number one was weirdly Cody Rhodes's Lip Bottom for some reason. That's why it shocked me so much when I saw his list. So my number one 
is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. This is the first one to probably you know, go away from what we expected from a Star Wars film. Like uh, other than Vader, there's no real forces. There's no Jedi's in this movie. There's a reference to a Jedi when uh, I think they say to Bill or Guy, like your Jedi film, when they mention about Obi Wan Kenobi, but you don't see any Jedi's in this film. I haven't seen this film as many times as I've seen some of the other ones. I've seen this maybe three or four times, but I have I've I love it more and more every time I watch it. It's, I just doesn't how it makes me feel when I watch it, and I grow more appreciation every time I watch it. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Saul Carrera in it, but I'm able to put that aside. You know, Jennifer is a much better and stronger character as a female uh, than Buddy Ray is. Uh, you got the the droid voiced by uh, Alan Tudyk. You've got the the monk. You know, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Played by Donnie Yen. Uh, you got Matt. I like him. He's got, brilliant. You got Ben Mendelsohn. And everything like the cast is so well put together. The CGI for Peter Cushion. It looks a lot better than Mark Hamill when he showed up in Mandalorian, but that's by the by. How uh, dare you? <laughs> how dare I indeed? But that that's a this just for me. Like I I loved it when I watched it first time. I've seen it a few times since, and I grow I fall more and more of it every time I watch it. And like this, I think in ways Mandalorian built on this because this is the first part time you could tell like you can tell these Star Wars stories without relying on people from the Skywalker family or from the main Star Wars, like Jedi's and things like that. We can tell, introduce these new characters, tell a different story, and like make, make this is basically a heist film in the Star Wars universe. That's why I think it's so good that it's so apart from everything else that you'd expect. I know I said before that like, I, didn't like, I don't need to be showed how Han Solo did this and that. That's because him winning the Millennium Falcon isn't as in, that interesting. Seeing how the Death Star plans... Hey, were captured for episode four and the people who sacrificed to get them. That's interesting. That's a story I want to see done. Mm. And Gareth Edwards, as the director, told that story in a really great way. Yeah, he really did. It, it's so well done. But you know, but we all know that Cassian Andor he didn't didn't like stop himself from assassinating um, Genoso's dad. Because he felt guilty, he just knew she wouldn't shag him if he killed him. <laughs> that's, that's, he the, that's the only reason he did pull the trigger. He thought I, I could kill him now, but I'll, I'll never get me shag, will I? But, but then he never got it anyway because they both got blown up. Yeah, well, that's, right true, the, that's true. <laughs> also, like the way that the uh, I keep I forgot his name as well. It's just annoying, but he's one of the best parts of the film. But the droid voiced by Alan Tudyk. His death scene as well just broke my heart when I first saw it. Yes, I was I enjoyed him, but then the way he shut the door so they could get the plans while he holds off the, the troopers as he slowly but surely like start, takes on more damage slowly but surely just shuts down and everything. It just I, oh, I almost brought a tear to my eye. So it did. Uh, it works because he's a, he's a droid, but he's also sort of self-aware as well, which is is quite weird, and he sort of. He sort of plays up, plays up, and makes like some quite funny comments. Like when he goes, "She shouldn't have a gun. Why have you given her a gun?" And like there's also the scene where like he's because he's a reprogrammed imperial droid. Uh, there's a scene where General so shoots an imperial droid for saying thing. What was that him? And then he pops up a second later, goes like, "Did you know that wasn't me?" Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a bit like that. Uh, that'd make a good Star Wars meme. You knew that wasn't me. You knew that wasn't me, right? <laughs> and then also, you I think mentioned the fact that they the best retcon maybe in film history, where Mads Mikkelsen, the Galen Erso revealed it was his plan all along to get back at the Empire for forcing him to work for them and take killing his wife as he put that flaw in the Death Star and showed the Republic how to blow it up. So, you know, you know, I think that was really well done by them. And also the way that seamlessly now flows into the start of episode mm. four with the ship escaping Darth Vader and, you know, uh, CGI Carrie Fisher saying that they've been brought hope. I can believe they never realised as well, because, you know, there's no rails or guards anywhere, so they clearly don't have a health and safety team, so they probably couldn't be asked to inspect it either. Yeah, it's done. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do, you. Can't we just have a rail here? No, no rails! <laughs> Imagine having that. Imagine having that post. I'd be scared death standing there that little platform where you could one slip and you plummet to your death right next to the giant planet bit where the giant planet killing laser has to go <laughs> <Yeah>. through <laughs> exactly <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> and also like Vader's scenes he's only got a handful of, of scenes that you can carry on one hand how many scenes he's got and still have enough left over but he's still quite good like especially he's one of my favorite lines in the film where he's very forced jokes, Krennic, because Krennic's annoyed at Grandma Tarkin. Just as soon as Krennic, he's the main guy behind the, like running the Death Star and the operation, but as soon as he's uh, showing that it, it works, uh, Tarkin basically just takes over. And like you, show, you see him in the position he's in on the Death Star at the start of episode four. And so he goes and complains and whines to, uh, to Vader about it. And as soon as he gets a bit too desperate, so he tries to talk and goes, Don't try not to choke on your own ambitions, Krennic. I like the way he tries to no sell his fear of Darth Vader as well. Oh no, no, I'm just, I'm just under pressure and push for time. I'm not, I'm not shitting myself in your presence. Oh. <laughs> I really regret wearing white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but and Vader still manages to steal the whole movie for me of that. As I say, that bit at the end where he he just cuts through everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like something out of bloody Predator, isn't it? Mm. Like that where like you're trapped in the particular partnership where the predator is and like you know there's no escape <laughs> and you got the guy again showing how many people die because you've got the guy who knows he's, he's not going to be able to get out get away from vader so he just hands to the door the plans to the other guy who gets on the ship to princess leia and uh, right before he's just cut right through with the lightsaber yeah he, he knew he was doomed mm-hmm, he knew <laughs> But yeah, that's my, my number one. I know maybe Rogue One wouldn't be some other people's number one, but the more I thought about it, the more I, I couldn't not put it number one because, again, it's all favourites. This is all our opinions and everything. And for me, I, the way I feel about Rogue One, I think I don't feel about any other Star Wars movie. So it has to be number one. And, and, you, and you could say these are rogue opinions. <laughs> I. Yes, Rogue One is number one for me because these are my Rogue opinions. I thank you. We're, we're here all week. <laughs> yeah, without going anywhere. Boom, boom. <laughs> Certainly, but uh, that's our list. There uh, are some interesting ones. I think it took up until like the five about from our number six or five choice uh, onwards for them to really start to veer off in different directions. 
But still, they weren't they weren't massively different. The biggest difference probably is uh, where we both put the Empire Strikes Back, to be fair. Yeah, because I knew Mando had to be up there, but more I thought about how much I enjoyed the final season of Clone Wars, that's when Clone Wars like, leaped over it. And that, uh, and yeah, I was. I think for me, my biggest surprise is maybe that uh, Clone Wars, the TV show, was a bit lower down on your list. But you know, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I that's the other one that's uh, a bit different. I mean, I do. I mean, I had it at number six, so it's not not huge, you know, not massively low down or anything. You see, we're not so different that uh, that that our friendship was ever at risk in here, and so plotting exactly. easy. We're not. Will not be a one-off. Like, we shall, we shall venture on. Exactly. That has been our our list, everybody. Uh, why am I Why am I talking? You're the host of this show. You host this episode. The whole train will keep chugging on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As as I'm the host, I will uh, offer you to do your um, plugs first, Scott. Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ScottMcCode1996. Uh, Rogue Opinions is at Rogue Square Opinions if you want to send us your list there. Yell at me for not having Empire as my number one. Uh, you can check out uh, my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Ram Podcast at SBRM. We finally got around to doing another episode. We got a, basically a recap of the last couple of months of all the stories that have led up to Slammiversary. And uh, around about this coming Friday or Saturday, right before Slammiversary goes live, we will have our posting our official predictions for Slammiversary 2021. Uh, you can also find me on Eat Sleep Retreat recent uh, recent feature show where we debated the top fact, uh, best stables of the modern era. Uh, I had two strong uh, choices, I think, on that show, and I'll be on an upcoming feature show. I don't know when it's coming. It's going to be a couple of weeks until it comes out where we recap the career of Christian. Uh, but here on Rogue Opinions, you know, Rogue Rich Smackdown Review carries on a new show, No Rogues Barred, is an episode that is out with Nathan. It will hopefully have an episode with Carl soon as well. Uh, the A-Team may return uh, very soon if they haven't already uh, when you hear this. And uh, I believe me, also talks of the hallowed hall of KV Court being able to open with co- after COVID restrictions. Please still wear a mask in these hallowed halls, show some respect. <laughs> But yeah, uh, God, do you do a plug before you tell people what we're going to be talking about next week? I will. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I know what we're talking about next week, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, thought we, I, thought we, I thought we, I thought we discussed it. <laughs> I don't, but I forgot. I've slept since then. I've forgotten. But <clears throat> anyway, I'll just get on the plug. You can find me at. Carlos underscore fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the brand at rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram too. Um, make sure to check out <clears throat> our website, uh, rogue opinions, 20 dot WordPress dot com. Where, uh, I put some, an article on new British tennis sensation, Emma Raducanu. So if you're a tennis fan, check that out. Anthony's just put up an article about the McGregor fight. So uh, if you're a USC fighter, make sure to check that out too. And, um, I've also recorded a tennis pod with Nathan, my original co-host and co-founder 
of Rogue Opinions. We're back back together at long last doing a podcast that's out now. So if you enjoyed Wimbledon and like your tennis, make sure to check that out. As always, I've got the uh, Rogue Chronicles uh, with Liam. I think the last latest one we did was on Anton's cigar from uh, No Country for Old Men, which is quite an interesting conversation and pod to do. I don't know if you've managed to check that one out, Scott. I know you've become a bit of an avid listener of that podcast in recent weeks. I don't think I've said that one. I did listen to most of the uh, the Dracula episode that I did because uh, I, I know you mentioned a lot about uh, Christopher Lee, but yeah, I'm a big listener of that. Yeah, I'll make sure I check that out very soon, and you people should too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've mentioned the articles, and also uh, we are on the lookout for new contributors, people who can mm-hmm. perhaps handle social media. Uh, we're looking for, um, I don't want to sort of getting uh risk of being sexist but we are we are mainly a male podcast so we're looking for any female contributors that might like to talk about wrestling or sport or even something else completely so if you if you fancy contributing some sort of a way please get in touch in our uh, dms on twitter or you can uh email us you can check out our pinned tweet uh for, for more details on that so uh Please get in touch if if anything sounds like you or up your your alley. And yeah, Scott. So what are we talking about next? Then uh, I probably should know, uh, but I forget. Yeah, I should say yeah, I agree. Like it's not like we're not trying to find like a token woman to make us seem more diverse or anything. But uh, we are. We do think a female voice could add a lot to the brand. Uh, yeah, and also, and we're always looking for people, male, female, uh, no matter who you are. To add or more like their own spin or whatever you're just done to, whether it be in written form or in podcasting form, or if you have a background in social media, we just you know we're we're a group of lads. We've we've grown recently with Sam and Rian joining, and we're always looking for people who think could add something and have some stuff they really want to talk about. Yeah, fresh ideas are fresh ideas are always welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh voices, but I always think women have a you know can give a. a a unique and different perspective to us men. They perhaps see things that we miss or, or don't quite understand. So, uh, you know, I, I think it is something we are missing. When you're when you're just a, when it's a group of solely males for too long, that's how you get people like Liam getting their own shows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that needs to be, I thought needs to be a bit to that quite clearly, but uh, <laughs> We're taking a break from Star Wars for a little while. Uh, we're going to look more at the Marvel side of things, as I know the final episode of it uh, uh, is going out this week. So we're gonna, it's still going to be fairly fresh, but we're going to look at the Marvel side where we're going to start looking episode by episode, and there's only six of them, of uh, the new Marvel show, Loki. Ah, uh, yes, of course, that was it. Uh, how could I forget that? I do apologise, Scott. It's okay. We're, I know we talked about the bad batch, but I thought about maybe doing Loki first. Uh, like do a couple of weeks of doing like Loki episode reviews. Maybe we should stress this is more of a spoiler warning for when you tune into episodes of our Loki reviews because that's the more recent one as opposed to when we talked about Mandalorian, which had been out for a year or two at least when those episodes happened. Mm-hmm. So if you want to listen to our Loki reviews, make sure you've actually watched the episodes. Yeah, and I've actually I've I've only watched the first episode so far. I've been I've been saving it to watch it for the first the rest. The first time, 
um, before um, uh, before recording. So I've got yeah. a, a more raw and third-time perspective when I do the podcast. I've managed to avoid most spoilers so far. Um, I've only I've only seen I've only seen one involving Richard E. Grant, which I'll say <laughs> no more. I've watched the first five episodes. Uh, I could hold off on the finale, but I know like the way social media works. I'll get something to watch me, so I'm probably going to watch it anyway. But then rewatch it. I don't mind doing that. Uh, it's been quite easy for me to stay away at the moment because I'm a big football fan, so I've had the football and the and the tennis to to divert me. But now that's finished, it could become a bit of a struggle to try and watch it weekly as we record the podcasts, knowing it's already all out there. But I shall try my best. Yeah, I mean, it was cool because like I work like during the week uh, from home, and so also on a Wednesday for the last couple of weeks, it's been a case of like I take my lunch break on a Wednesday, that's when I choose to watch Loki, so I, I, I got myself into a better routine that way but uh, yeah, I know you said you had the football so congratulations on it coming home, oh, oh wait no I didn't ooh, awkward <laughs> but anyway, thank you for listening to Floating Ages <laughs> that, that will be the last pod we actually ever, ever do now <laughs> I kid, I kid Kinda. Uh, it never happened. I don't know. I don't know what you're on about, Scott. <laughs> I'm just gonna no sell it. Yeah, you do that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I feel weird. I don't know how to sign out this podcast there, Carl, because uh, you know, funny saying that about this ain't easy seems like your thing because I can't say this is the way. I don't think anymore unless we're talking about Mandalorian. I've got I've got a sign out, and you've just brought it to me. I've got a little bit of a story to tell. There was once a European 2020 final between two great teams, England and Italy, and they both went to a draw even after extra time. So they t- stood up for a penalty shootout, and they both missed multiple penalties. Italy missed two, England missed three. So the moral of the story, people, is penalties. Ain't easy.